And we're back. Welcome to No Direction Beyond, your Starfinder's news, reviews, and interviews podcast. I'm Alexander Agunas, No Direction's Everyman Gamer, and I am joined, as always, by the two most intrepid Starfinders this side of the galaxy. Hi, I'm James. I used to write Code Switch. Hi, I'm Dustin. I write Foxes Cunning. And today, we have kind of like a weird episode, because if we're being honest, we have a month until Gen Con. And we're expecting like really new and exciting things to talk about when Gen Con rolls around. But we kind of don't have a lot to say before then, because PaiserCon kind of was light on Starfinder news. So instead, we have a very special feature today, because we know we are news reviews and interviews, but you know, sometimes we like to throw like tricks there and like tips on for how to do things. And so today, just like a million years ago when we had Jason Keeley on to do our Starfinder and Starship like how to uh, on the show, we are actually going to show you how to like do a really good skill if you are someone who has either been playing Starfinder for a long time and could use a refresher or someone relatively new and uh, looks at an adventure and is like, yo, what if they did this instead? And I'm talking of course about editing encounters. Yeah, it's a cornerstone of uh, making your adventure paths work with your table, because when the APs are made, they're made with the expectation of a party that I don't believe actually exists. I don't think so either. I think that somebody is like, hey, you know, you're going to have a cleric who heals, and you're going to have a rogue who stabs things, and you're going to have a fighter who takes the hits, and then you're going to have a wizard. And like, man, when we did Dead Sons, I think we, we didn't have like half of that. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, your cleric didn't even want a cleric. He just wanted. Oh to be my a robot. gosh, Catra <laughs> <laughs> um, just wanted a robot. Like literally, I, I think like by the end of that game, it was when uh, Armory came out, and uh, that mm-hmm. our player was. Do you remember how happy he was that he could replace his legs with the X frame? <laughs> yeah, the X legs. <laughs> Starfinder's yeah, so, great, y'all. Yeah, so it, the party was atypical for for Dead Sons, but yeah, I don't think any actual typical party exists. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the nice things about Starfinder, too, is that, like, you don't really need that, like, quad block, I guess you could say, because of how his stamina points work. You could always just sleep and for 10 minutes and get your, half of your hit points back. It's great. Uh, just, you know, make sure you, you have more than that or you're going to drop and you're going to fall. And you'll die terribly like my mystic did in, uh, in Dead, <laughs> or in, not in Dead Suns, in Signal of Screams. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, also, it's much easier to get back hit points uh, with things like serums, and there's a lot more ways to adjust uh, your damage. Right. So you're probably going to find that for a lot of encounters, that they'll benefit from you, uh, you know, adjusting and tweaking them. So what are some different ways that you've adjusted encounters before in Starfinder, James? I know you've had tons of experience being uh, our Dead Sons GM. Uh, Dead Sons, I ran everything relatively stable. Um, I would always put mooks uh, that had stealable things because there was people in the group that liked to steal. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, so you you even ran the magic missile firing squad out of the book? Like I, I thought that was a James thing. No, no, no. That that was actually the book. Uh, oh the, my god! The gosh. amount of things to throw off of them was me. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no, that was scary. Like, yeah, that 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 encounter is probably like in my mind the second scariest encounter we've ever had, and I think the scariest was actually the final boss battle. But that yeah. was just because I got locked out of the boss fight. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I was like, wait, no, what do you mean wall of force? That's BS. I can't do that. <laughs> Turns out, fight boy can't fight the wall of force. I tried. Yeah. No. And with Starfinder, since they made a lot of new books, there's a lot of new uh, inversions to mm-hmm. situations that you can give people by by like either technological or magical items. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you're not locked in like how you are in Pathfinder, where you're like, this is a guy that does this, unless he puts a lot of extra work and build into something. Mm-hmm. Also, because class graphs are just amazing for Starfinder. Uh, they're frustrating at first, but when you're actually just building an NPC, uh, yeah. it's a lot easier to go, I don't have to worry about any of this stuff. <laughs> I want to get to yeah. the fun stuff the fun parts, which is where I, I design all the ways I'm going to defeat you. And, you know, when we're talking about Starfinder, of course, there's lots of interesting rules and things that have come out now that just didn't exist when I'd say half the adventure paths were written. Uh, you could do squadron combats now with uh, with uh, Starship Operations Manual. You have classes like the Nanosite and the Biohacker and the Precog that didn't exist before. And honestly, there's a lot of places in the older adventure paths where like, especially the Witch Warper and the Biohacker are like obvious picks, but a class didn't exist at the time so you have like oh look it's a doctor i guess they're an envoy instead of being like no mad science 
And then, <laughs> of course, you know, the ultimate, just replace all your starships with mecha combat and you'll be fine. Yeah. Nah. Replace all your spells with junk sword. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, listen, uh, that, that spell is uh, one of my favorites. Uh, just because, like, when I wrote it, I was told, like, oh, no, but no Technomancer is going to take the spell. And I was like, okay, would you like to bet some money on that? Are you sure? I could tell you every single person in the Philly Lodge will take that spell. Every Well, you guys are just an unusual microclasm of players who just want to melee everything. Yes, that's accurate. Yeah, it works. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Mathematically, it's the highest damage in the game. <laughs> <laughs> right? And you, you just walk up to somebody and then you hit them and they're like, I can't shoot at you. Uh, you put me in this corner. <laughs> my my low hit points don't matter if I knock you out first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the considerations that one should make when you're talking about whether to redesign an encounter. It can be very intimidating for new players, especially when like you have these fancy Paizo writers who are putting out great content and you're like, am I, do I really know enough to change this encounter? Should I really just do what this book says? Thurston Hillman's gotta know what I need, right? Oh, I was gonna say. Well, Thurston probably doesn't know, like we were talking before. Your your party. How many people are there? What classes they're playing? The composition, their tactics. You know that all has to be taken into account. Yeah, and uh, sometimes you make an enemy that isn't corporeal, and that's just that's just nasty. That's just wrong. Oh no! Are we talking about that one scenario? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that was. That was, that's probably the meanest scenario I've ever seen. There's like an early Starfinder scenario that ends with a combatant array incorporeal creature. Oh. And for those of you who don't know, a, an incorporeal creature means that like, if you do magic damage, you do half. And if you're not magic, you do nothing. And Starfinder's weapon progression doesn't assume that you're gonna have magic weapons. You have to put a weapon fusion on it or something. Yeah. So you get this monster who is designed to be hit by characters who are like super high attack bonus like it's a combatant and so it's got the highest possible hit points and because nobody really has magic weapons because i'm gonna be real a lot of weapon fusions aren't that good uh but so because nobody has magic weapons this creature's like hey i guess you do half damage so my 200 hit points is actually more like 400 enjoy mm -hmm. and uh and meanwhile he's like dealing wisdom damage and is like i don't need to do hit point damage to you it's gonna knock <laughs> you unconscious it's fine yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play on a different scale. Uh, you have to get across this football field going a foot at a time, and I get to go a meter. Yeah. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> just run. It's good stuff. <laughs> so sometimes there's things like that where the encounter just literally doesn't work for your party. Uh, and other times, like you want to make a thematic change or you want to reflect like some character stuff. Like uh, a good example is when I balance my encounters in Teenage Wastelands for my players, I'm like, okay, well, I know that this one character has really high to hit and, and nobody else can really hit them. So if I'm going to put a lot of high AC enemies in, I have to make sure that like there are ways for players to like work around that because nobody else has a high attack bonus in Dustin's party. He's the only, there's only one player with a full BAB. Everybody else is partial. It's great. So good. Nerds. Oh my gosh. You have no idea. They've got like, <laughs> two, they got like two witch warpers. They got like a mystic. They got like an operative. And then there's just this one soldier who's just carrying all the damage on his back, just <laughs> going forward. But it's funny because like originally I did the crazy thing and I had all eight of these players playing in the same campaign before I split them up and did like same world, but like different things. And when that was going on, they, the other group has a Solarian. So those two would just trash everything. And I'd be like, oh no. And then everyone else would be like, I got a splinter. I'm in hit points. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good so like now you know i was like oh well when i make these groups i put the soldier here and i'll put the solarian here and then each of them can take turns carrying their own little branch of the party and protecting everyone else from splinters neither of them protect anybody it's great i could tell you as the mystic doctor players are not in hit points as often as they should be which is why i have to stab them so i could heal them <laughs> True. So, and knowing all of that can help you tweak encounters in order to make what you want. So one of the things that James has actually done for us today is that James has taken an encounter from the Dead Sun's Adventure Path and has tweaked it a little. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the changes James made and the decisions that he made, not only in changing this encounter, but building an entirely new stat block, the types of considerations that you might want to go to. And I think, James, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you designed this around killing all our group from dead sons like two years ago right like a 
vendetta, a revenge plan? Uh, it, that's what your revenge plan. It was just a comically easy fight, even without uh-huh. a lot of new things. And uh, it was kind of an anticlimactic end to a character that was um, like a fight that should have been really cool. Uh-huh. Um, and thematically, it's cool. There's a lot of things you shouldn't change about the encounter. Um, also, the, the the encounter is in book four. And I don't want to give away too, spoil- too many spoilers for it. Um, but it has the potential to run away. So uh-huh. it is the classic cobalt strategy of, oh, there's a guy. Let's go get that guy. Yeah. Let's go get the boss. So there's a way that it can spiral out of control. Usually it's probably not going to happen unless your group is just very afraid of fighting people and doesn't and see somebody running away and goes, woo, I'm glad they're gone. <laughs> that is not uh, our party. <laughs> no, 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 we have we have at least four out of four players who would chase that person down. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and I think more players have at least half of their party that are like, can't let somebody run. They're going to run to get help. You know, two plus two makes four and all that. Yes. Um, it's the capstone fight of book four. Um, it's originally an envoy that uses the people that come back and some automated drones in an area as its combat force potential. Um, but its drones are much lower CR. It's around a CR 10 fight. Uh, they're like CR 6 drones, and there's four of them. And they can't really hurt the party. Any benefits that they get from an envoy are just not substantial enough to cause any significant damage or peril. Um, it is based on the fact that you probably have done a couple fights before this. Um, but depending, there's a very large possibility if you do follow the track of going through and handling each encounter and not letting people get away, that you'll actually have time before this fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won't have a lot of time, but you'll have enough time to at least get stamina back. So you should expect to be able to run this um, with a relatively fresh party. Um, the biggest change to her is I gave her a rocket launcher. Yeah, um, that's you do. Right. So the book four of Dead Sons goes into a lot of the cult of the devour and giving having an envoy for a cult of devour makes sense that somebody can proselytize like class wise, um, but it doesn't really fit with her personification in the book. It sort of does, but she's a cold engine of destruction and nobody really likes her in her group as you come to find out. She's just kind of scary and authoritative. Mm. Um, so switching her class is kind of a, a, a no-brainer. Um, mm. Switching to a nanosite uh, of the of the obliteration uh, mm. school is very thematic to that. I like that. Um, and using that to generate things like rocket launchers, which don't t- really need to hit AC. They only need yeah. to hit an area. Mm. And she has other abilities that you could take in there, like spreading swarm, where when you hit somebody, you can hit somebody again 10 feet away with minimum damage of that. So it creates these chains of damage where she can um, have the robots do blocking actions and keep people away from her. She's also a bit faster than, other, than most of your party uh, at this time, probably. Um, so she can do a fair amount of running away. And her uh, array is originally a, I believe, a um, specialist, um, the skill mm-hmm. one. Um, but switching that yeah. to a combatant uh, fits her the the uh, the sorry the key stats for the nano site a bit better, and it allows mm. her to have enough hit points to survive two or three rounds. Because uh, the first round or two, you probably want to run her pretty similar to how she is in the book, where she has a weapon from the super weapon that she shoots at you that isn't all that great; it's just a rifle. Uh, before switching over to uh, her preferred method of combat, when she sees that isn't working, um, so she should give a much better kind of more threatening encounter to that i have a stat block here we were thinking of different ways to get it out there it's just an alternative we did when we played rain of winter there was an alternate contest for an alternate boss in one of the books for that hmm. and seeing that alternate boss changed that entire book for me and much for the better um, oh yeah yeah well that that was fun our um the person who won that contest was a uh philly venture uh, lieutenant that we know and uh very much like uh, jen mcteague a uh, friend of the show and that boss fight was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Jen McTeague's version of that fight involved like giving the character. A, I mean, like this is on the Paizo blog. You can Google like. Oh, and, well, uh, mm, gave a psychic class because that had come out. It, it butters one of our characters. If you've ever seen the South Park <laughs> episode where he gets a ninja star in his eye, similar thing. It was very brutal. Uh, God, that encounter. <laughs> I, I just remember that happening because like that player ran forward into that fight. Mm-hmm. And then got that spell and just like, oh, <laughs> like, oh. With like, like they got butters. And we were all in the back, like Monty Pythoning, like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, so, like, uh, like that, that player built his character for like the highest possible initiative. 
So like, yeah. what else could we do other than just sit there and just watch? Yeah, went first, uh, did it, didn't hit it, and then butters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but finding your 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 groove and finding a way to make encounters more threatening um, in important places to make people seem cool. I can tell you that we would not have had the same um, experience had that been what the base build for that boss is um, after seeing what it was, because it was uh, not nearly as uh, detrimental to how our party operated. Right. So, so. Uh, yeah, we're going to get, uh, we'll eventually find a way to get this out to people. Um, my formatting isn't the best, but it's, I think, a little readable. So that should be good. Uh, I think our, the, the current plan is to make it a patron thing. So like, if you want it, like you'll get a, we'll put a Google link in the patron channel on our discord because we have a Patreon and Patreon helps us do all the cool no direction things that no direction likes. And we like to try to give stuff to our patrons whenever we can. So this seems like a good thing. We just be like, Hey, James made a stat block. Even if you're not going to run it in this encounter, here's mm -hmm. a stat block. Now just yeah. go shoot rockets at people. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, th th this this boss is a, it's a lot mm -hmm. more scary than what you faced. Uh, th this would have uh, done your party very good because you did have a couple people kind of low and uh, the stacking damage uh, dot over four rounds of just getting hit with 66 plus another like six damage just as a bleed. Uh, yeah, because that that's what obliterate does, right? It it uh, the, the obliteration thing like lets you have your nanites out and then the nanites burrow into you when you attack with something you made out of the nanites, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Good yep. stuff um that's it's nasty and then um i think the other like that would that's a really good strategy for our group too because i remember that party we were an armored solarian a soldier a mystic and a mechanic so yeah. three out of the four of us have poor reflex saves oh, we were no. not dodging those missiles we were gonna get blown up every oh, no. single time yeah and like the thing is with her cr versus your cr in starfinder if somebody is the same level as you an npc uh, they're going to hit you more than 60% of the time. They're more than yeah. likely to hit you. But by making um, those attacks explosions, you just have to hit like an AC. I think it's AC 5 to hit a square. Yeah, yeah so you, you hit the square. Yeah, you like bar barely even have to think. Like this damage is happening. It's up to you to stop it. It's now a race. Yes. Mm -hmm. Boom, boom, boom. Good stuff. <laughs> I think that sounds really cool. And so the, in your version of the encounter, the drones would still be there causing annoyances and problems. Yep, yep. Just, just, just running interference. Um, there, mm. there, you, you. There's a desire to switch them to something that's a little cooler, but based on what they're doing, when you find her and them, it makes sense that they would be there doing what they're doing. Because mm. um, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler for it. You get to the super weapon that you're talking about, the entire adventure path. Halo. There's a Halo. Amazing. So you're there. So the things that are on Halo are doing Halo things. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, true. So, yeah, like there's some other places throughout that um, station where some encounters can be changed and they're not even spoiler encounters. They're just like those random side encounters. Like there's one where it's like, oh, in this ancient super weapon, somebody like made a prototype that opened portals to other planes and uh, they kind of forgot about it. And there's just like one of the four primary elements, uh, one elemental for each of them, just like in this room because they can't figure out the door console and they've been stuck here forever. And it's like, yeah, I mean, we're fighting the cold of the devourer to find a super weapon, but I, I guess we can like, Fight, fight the windy boy and the birdie boy and the groundy boy and the wet boy, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Like it, yeah, it just has a kind of feeling like a non sequitur to make up for XP. Also, forget about XP. Unless you're doing like a actual sandbox campaign, um, XP is yeah. nonsense. For yeah. sandboxes, I, I see the logic. You know, it, it helps you if you just don't have benchmarks made in mind. But if you have benchmarks made in mind anyway, which you probably do, even in a sandbox campaign, don't worry about XP. Yeah. In my experience, milestone just ends up feeling better because you can give the uh, the players a level like when there's like a general. This is from a homebrew perspective. In an actual adventure path, you give them the level when they complete the chapter because it feels good and it's usually a high point. And it's also usually when the book says like you will reach these different benchmarks and be these different levels. But then like if you're running a home game, you just give them the level up when they're at a point where like it feels good. They did something big or something big happened. And like you got a major, you hit a major story beat stride and then it's like, all right, here's your level, enjoy. And then nobody has to worry about tracking a million numbers, like so many numbers. Yeah. So many yeah. numbers. Also, also, if you're on the final boss of any Paizo Adventure Path, don't give them the experience after they beat the final boss. Nobody wants an extra level after they've done the big thing. Have them fight 
the second commander lieutenant and give them the, the, the final level of the AP before sending them to the final boss. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. like, they'll be like, and after you defeat the big bad that ends the world, you're now level 18. And it's like, cool. I don't have any ability really that I didn't have before, and it would have really helped here. And I'm not doing anything else after this. Right. It's like, you're level 18. Credits roll. I don't get to play with the level 18 powers. Exactly. And if you're, like, if you're a spellcaster, that's a big deal for you. Right, yeah. right, right. It's and if you're a marshal, and it's you not like get a bonus. And it's not like there's mm -hmm. enough content at that high of a level to like play another AP. I don't even think there's any standalone adventures that go that high, so... Yeah, and nah. Starfinder, no. They, 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 they cap out pretty low. I um, think Devastation Arc goes yeah, Devastation to 20. Arc goes. But it, it also starts before that. Like, yeah, it starts at like 11 or something. I, I don't know if it goes to 20. In my head canon, it should go to 20. But I, don't I think know it goes to 18. That sounds right. I believe. I'd, I'd, if you told me it went to 18, I would believe you. I wouldn't have enough evidence to try to try and like ignore it. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've like read through the Devastation Arc like twice and just keep forgetting it. Because I don't oh, no. know actually run it. I know. Someday. Uh, One day when my daughter isn't two and a half. <laughs> That's the mood. The mood of the century. Mm. <laughs> Devastation Arc Book 3 starts at level 18. Oh, it does start at 18. Does oh. it actually go to 20? It's a 64 pager that starts at 18. Oh, I hope does. they get to 20. I'm tripping. Gonna do it. We're gonna, oh, we're gonna yep. get... According to Crip Walker in chat, yes, the PC should be 20th level by the time they confront spoilers? A name. By, the time, by the time they confront the thing. Okay, that's the good. Boss. That's a that's a scary word that starts with letters and ends with letters. Oh, it's okay. It's German. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is German. <laughs> um, so I guess like, uh, let's say you were like, I want to change this encounter completely with this lady. This this boss. Because if I remember book four, you like you do a cool thing. You go into a, a place, you beat a guy, and you think you're done, and you get jumped on the way out. Right. That's that's how book four ended. Sound yeah. pretty similar. Mm -hmm. yeah and like so like what if you wanted to change that encounter completely instead of being against like a, a regular combat encounter you wanted to have like a mech combat what would you do differently you think uh so for that specifically um there is an option that if you actually take a bunch of time and don't bother uh dealing with her in a timely manner that she just like leaves and goes to like the the, the center part of the arc um you can give her an auto, like an auto loader, like, hey, it's dangerous radioactivity thing. Here's a mech. You need it to not get killed by the radiation of the super weapon. And uh, you can have your players have mechs as well as they follow. Um, there's some suggestions for doing it as star, starship combat. But uh, if you do that, I don't know why you're not playing X-Wing. Um, but it, it's, it's a place where you can splice that into a mech combat if you want it to, it, want it to be that instead of a, uh, like a regular NPC PC combat. Mm -hmm. um, you can also probably hand wave it as like if they get away as like a chase scene, but I don't think anybody will like like that unless everybody's just really ready to move on to the next book. Definitely. Now, one piece of advice I'm going to give anybody who's listening, and I've done this in Teenage Wasteland too. Uh, let's say you want a big boss fight that's memorable, and you want to fight a person and have it be long, but you also don't want to like cheat and like, oh, I'm going to bump his AC up and make it impossible, or I'm going to double his hit points so it takes longer. One thing that I like doing, it's my cheat method, is I build a mech and I put the boss in the mech, and then when the mech breaks mm. down, the boss comes out and starts fighting. I've done that at least twice to you guys already. Yeah, you have. And that way it, you can have like phased boss battles, but you can use the mech as like phase one. Now, the downside of that is if you have the mech be phase one, then the immediately phase two feels like it's less dangerous rather than more dangerous, which isn't great. So one thing you could also try is you could have a combat where uh, you could essentially have a character that has the spell throwing weapon fusion on their gun and then have them put like some sort of weapon what some sort of spell gem in their gun that involves teleportation so you have them fight they do all the cool fighting things and then like when their hp hits like half or whatever they pull out the spell through a gun they shoot the ground and they fall through the teleporty hole from shooting a teleportation spell they teleport into the mech and the mech comes out and they go they just start beating people up and then you beat the mech and they pop back out and it's basically mechagon from world of warcraft at that point because that's literally what the last boss of mechagon does just, you can do it too just have a computerized voice go upload complete and then the mech appears and you realize he just uploaded his brain into the mech right before he died oh no 
just reminds me of Metal Gear Rising, uh, where you fight the like the final boss in his mech suit, and then once he gets out, he's tougher outside of the mech. Just giving <laughs> a lower CR mech. No, Metal Gear Rising Revengers is a gem of a video game, and I'm glad that a literal decade later, it's getting like the proper meme status that it should have. That game is beautiful. I, uh, I I'm not gonna lie, I do like that idea. The idea you put you put the boss you put a mech out first, and it's a really bad mech. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. the boy's like, "Yeah, this boss is gonna be easy." And then he comes out and is like, <laughs> "Now it's time, unburdened by technology." Uh, Mellow three in chat said, "You should just have a witch warper boss swap themselves with a boss from the kaiju dimension." <laughs> the kaiju dimension. The kaiju dimension. <laughs> I love it. It's, I it's, absolutely. And it's not like every one of the kaiju dimensions rampaging. They're just kaiju going about their normal business. They have like, you know, a hat and a briefcase. He's going off to work. Well, if you go <laughs> off of the idea that every universe has its own timeline, that means there's an infinite number of versions of you as a kaiju and one of them is raging. And that's the one you pick. <laughs> I love oh, it. Man, Seth, oh. Seth Tech is right. And Andalite is basically Armstrong. Oh my God. That's yeah. so perfect. But yeah, yeah, have, so having good. your boss with, so you've destroyed my power limiter. Now I have to go all out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just to lower CR mech. Because my minions were around, but you've killed them, so now I can go all out. Exactly, or I needed to make sure you were worth me revealing what my true power is. That's what, that's what you, 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 you give a bad guy speech that's like, you've killed my closest companions, you've slaughtered my minions, and now you've broken my inhibitors. There is nothing here worth saving. I will obliterate you with my wrath. <laughs> and then phase two starts and it turns out they're a level 20 character oh, and no. they immediately start punching mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so good. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of fun things you can do with Starfinder with a little bit of creative uh, adjustment. Uh, another thing you could do is if you wanted, if you, I mean, like, God bless you if you want to do a starship combat, but if you want to do the starship combat route, you could do the starship combat, make your players need to board the starship in order to win, and then mm. phase two is on the starship. That is pretty fun, too. Uh, although I will say one of the funniest things James ever did to us was make us fight a starship while not in a starship. I love that. <laughs> so that was horrifying. Wait, I made you do that? I know I made you do that, but I forget everything else about it. Uh, it was the first thing we did in the final part of the, the, the final combat area of book six. Oh, yeah, because it was a big, dumb space battle. And right about that. And, but and 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 dead sons is a wonderful game but dead sons doesn't actually know who the final boss are like who the villains of that adventure path are so like it swaps between like two or three different groups of interest at different times and it ends with one that was that's just like okay here they are they're here and the, the you fight them in one of those stupid little uh corpse fleet starships that are the coffin ones and it's great so you got this pilot that's like this flying around this little shoot you yeah okay now i remember now i remember the exact situation you're getting ready for that starship combat and one of your players joked about abandoning ship stealing one of the smaller interceptor vessels and then flying it into the carrier and starting from there and i was like i looked at the starship that i had prepared i listened to the idea with that's that's better we're just going to do that <laughs> didn't that become betty uh no we had betty Betty okay. was our Betty. Betty attacked us when we were flying to uh, uh, when we were flying to the 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 pirate area in book three oh. of, mm -hmm. and we 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 beat up Betty, but Betty was still alive and the story we ripped Betty out. <laughs> right, right, right. And Betty helped you when you because she knew the codes to get into the carrier. Okay, I remember that. Man, yeah. I did more altering of dead sons than I remember. Yeah, no, you did a lot. You 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 really did, but like it wasn't like you sat down and like altered things. It was like we're just in crazy and we're like, we're gonna kidnap this person. <laughs> oh, you, but you have to remember that like our Solarian player like was all about using their charisma to force their perceptions of reality onto people. Like uh, like how like literally there was a running meme where I was like, My character's young, he's like 17 or 18, and all the player remembered was Alex's character is young. So in the first book, every single person we went, my character's age dropped by a couple of years whenever <laughs> this player was referring to them. So like, I went like, oh yeah, they're like, they're, you're, you're young, right? You'll be fine. You're like 17, 18. I'm like, yeah, that's true. I'm like, oh, this is, he's a strapping young guy. He's like 16. 
I'm I'm two years older than yeah. The child, uh, the 15 year old child, will not be doing this. Uh, Are are you sure we can't have discount? We can't send we can't send our 13 year old boy to the to the child's hospital. He's filled with worms and needs to be extracted. I think he ended up as a nine year old boy by the end of the adventure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. for for Dustin, that character that character that I'm describing is who John is based off of oh, okay, in, okay. In, in Teenage Wasteland. I so that. I That's I took funny. that character and wow. yeah, which is great. Oh, no. Uh, no, it's fun. Um, John is meaner than he than he is. <laughs> yes. Yes. John is a nanocyte who can't age. That, that's the joke you got it just had to, sometimes i just take things from other games and i'm like i'm just going to carry this over and we'll see what happens yeah. the the thing with with john is that john has like his nanites inside him but he's got the one that's like restoration that's like healing so mm-hmm. they repair his cells faster than they can degrade from aging so he's just uh, been stuck as a 14 year old for 14 years yuck. which sucks it's yuckers <laughs> Uh, another just mechanic for if you have like a center boss is giving them bleed effects or abilities to uh, like tap players to get health uh-huh. back. Because uh, making races is is a good way to make uh, a combat seem like it matters. Because if you think you could just lame it out and just absorb everything, then there's no real reason to rush or feel threatened. But if you're in a place that's, you know, minus five, minus five, minus five, minus five, plus 20 every turn, you're going to go, oh man, we need to find a way to really dust this person. Mm-hmm. and uh, on the flip side if you're a player you can do that same thing uh, we we want we beat a dinosaur with that strategy yeah yeah it, 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 the strategy of laming it out does work especially when you're fighting uh when you have enemies that are really like um equipment based um uh-huh. like there's a part in dead sons that has a lot of enemies that have um certain spell gems and once they're out of the spell gems are just kind of average mm-hmm. uh yeah. but while they have those spell gems uh it is a terrifying thought and you think you're in it for the long haul so Blaming it out does work, but you and don't want the, that to be able to be an option, I think, all the time. And it took us so long to kill them. We didn't even get any of those spell gems. They used every single one. Oh, no. Yeah. Every hit point that every one of those gems had was applied right to my body, and I almost died. <laughs> <laughs> that must feel bad to be a dude. Just have, like, be like a archer. Just go to your quiver, and you're just like, I don't have any arrows left. Oh, man. Can I go home? <laughs> right. No. Dang it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what uh, have you ever adjusted an encounter though, and you realize you've made the enemies a little too strong for your party? And how do you handle that? So, there are two different things that you can do in my experience, and I'm gonna talk to give James a moment to think because I can see he's got his thinking hat on. And the first, my first strategy is when I've made something too hard, is that I will just change the numbers. And I'll come up with a flavor reason as to why it's different now all of a sudden. Something's happened. They're not thinking clearly. Oh, man, you really angered him when you said that. This thing happened. Now that's it's different. You broke a part of his body. Or sometimes the other option that you can do, uh, like I like that the best personally, mm-hmm. uh, just talk to your players and be like, oh, I ran this wrong. Here, I'm going to give you guys this many hit points back. Now let's keep playing. Both of those, I think, are valid, and they come from two very different places. One of them is fixing an accounting error, essentially. And that's like when you're going and you're changing the numbers and you're just telling your players, oh, I made this too tough. Here, have some hit points back. I'm going to fix this on my end. Enjoy. Uh, the other one, and then that, that builds trust with your players because they know, oh, ultimately, I'm not here to just, you know, build, throw whatever I want at you and destroy you. Yeah, exactly. I'm, they're here to have fun, and when they make mistakes, they're going to fix it. They got me. The other option kind of is better if you're trying to preserve the verisimilitude of your game, like not trying, like trying to keep like the story flow where you just find a reason to reduce them. Oh man, you, 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 you hit him and there was like a tube on his armor and now it's like spraying out bio juice everywhere and he's not doing so hot. Like any of those things would work. What do you think, James? I'm a big fan of non-lethal or um, imprisoning after. Mm. Um, If you do get that far in, I'm, all, I'm trying to think of a time where I really overdid it, and I usually more underdo it or just change an encounter to be different. The one that I remember is when we did the Starfinder playtest and I messed up on the DC of uh, the poison for that scorpion. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a that was wonderful. Mm. Yeah, that was impossible. I, I don't uh, even know if you messed it up. I'm pretty sure that the rules were just designed that conversions were very scary. Yeah, it was scary, and also I, I just missed the part about um, not stacking templates. 
for certain yeah. effects. So it, it was wrong. I mean, the the poison never should have been 29 fortitude at like 12th level. Listen, that was wrong. <laughs> listen, it was fine. We got out of No, we didn't get out of there. We actually No, no, you all died. died. Yeah, yeah. So we decided to play it through because it was a play test game. Yeah. Um, and yeah. at the time, I didn't realize I had made that error. So that mm -hmm. one, the, the results, the resolution of it was, uh, I'm sorry. You can see what you can <laughs> do against it. But this is playtest data. If we find out that this is just broken, that we, it's our duty to say that. Yep. Uh, and how often in APs do you have to, uh, have you, I mean, I love Paizo's maps, but have you ever had to adjust or use a different map for an encounter based on your... I am a monster. I change maps all the time when I'm lazy. Do you remember when we did Strange Aeons, James, and mm -hmm. they had like the encounter where you fight the, the last boss of book five in a very specific place? Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's like in the middle of a lake. And I'm like, I'm not drawing this. Here's a, <laughs> a map that I bought. <laughs> we're going to play it here. <laughs> and yeah. This is what we're going to do. I think the only experience that I have with that where I really wanted to go out of my way was actually society scenario. Um, yeah. I believe it was the capstone of season two um, where you fight a big boss and he's on this big pyramid. And there's like, there's, it's like a ziggurat pyramid and there's ways to get up it, there's ways to get down it. And I looked at that map and I went, the people I'm playing with won't understand this geometry, literally. Oh, it's Drow the Darklands Pyramid, right? No, 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 this is a Starfinder. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Drow of the you're fighting a Ambalon Pyramid. You're fighting a Jinsel, uh, big, oh. big, big, strong guy. Um, and I, I had it like a week before I was supposed to run it. And I went, I can either uh, do this, have them get confused, have it go around this, or I can just make a 3D mock-up of this map. And uh, I ended up using Hearst miniatures and their plaster to make, uh, along with like some paper craft, to make the actual three-dimensional map of that. Um, and that made that fight go way smoother. Because mm. uh, I just know the players that I was playing with, like the, the 3D geometry uh, doesn't always like stick in their heads, which is fine. Mm. It's just a difference in groups. And then I let them trash it afterwards because I was not keeping that. And it's just made out of dental plaster, which is very cheap. So they had fun throwing uh, the map of the person that had just bodied them uh, onto the floor and looking at the shocked faces of everybody else in the store as they thought there was an issue. Nice. <laughs> oh, no. These people, they're they are violent gamers who can't handle losing. They've just trashed this poor I man's they, plaster model. They flipped the table. Look at all that effort. Yeah, trash it. <laughs> <laughs> Take it out back like the PCs in uh, office space with like, all right, the, 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 boom, boom. Yeah, I used, I used some of those pieces when I ran towards the end of Dead Sons because I had gotten um, a Yeah, no, your your plaster was great. You put so much work into making all of those awesome things. Yeah, I saw You used it in the start, too. You remember you built the Absalom spaceport with it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, those are cool. That's not an endorsement, not sponsor or anything. Those, those are great. They take time, uh, and it takes a little bit of dedication to get an amount that you need, and planning helps, but mm. those molds are super good. Right. Uh, we're actually not sponsored by the company that makes the molds. We're sponsored by the company that makes the dental plaster. Dental plaster <laughs> for your dental hygiene needs. <laughs> Don't ever eat dental plaster, by the way. It's not good for you. Mm. Oh, we, we, I, I, we, I don't need any. It just gets very hot when it cures. We cannot uh, talk bad about our sponsor, James. They, we were 100% <laughs> sponsored by Dental Plaster. Can you imagine what Ryan Costello will say when he hears that you bowed mass our Dental Plaster sponsor? <laughs> we're going to lose all 30 cents that we got from them. Eat only Dental Plaster. <laughs> this hot gypsum <laughs> is totally edible. <laughs> all right. So... Uh, we actually have a small amount of Starfinder news. So before we transition to that, does anybody else have any final thoughts for uh, adjusting encounters in Starfinder before we talk about the, the small bits of flutterings of news that we've heard so far? Uh, give enemies jetpacks. Do it. Jetpacks or Force Souls. I love Force Souls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Literally just put them on. It's also really fun when like you describe what they look like. Whenever I talk about, you know how like... Uh, Obviously, you can flavor it however you want, but like the flavor is that your body basically makes like little pads of like anti gravity force, and like that's what you're walking on. I always describe it to the teenage wasteland players that like the 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 picture of what they're stepping on is the exact shape of the foot that it's installed in. So like if you're a human, you've got like these footprints that you're walking on the sky with. If you're a kitsune, it's like a fox paw. It's great. I love it. It's just it's dumb, and I'm like, yeah, that's totally what it looks like, and they're like. Can I can I have like a hexagon instead? I'm like, well, yeah, if you want, but that's gonna take a longer surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more it's more space like, to project the magic. 
how much longer is the surgery? I don't know, like 10 minutes, nothing that matters. <laughs> and then they sit there and they're like, then silence, like contemplating, like, do I actually do this? Do I do I go for the longer surgery to get the thing I want? Or do, do I just like have my foot floating in space? And it's great. <laughs> so good. Um, uh, how about you, Dustin? Uh, I was just wanted to ask, so do Noir have like little hoof prints or do they have Absolutely. like full on uh, horseshoes? Well, so the answer to that question is that it's installed onto the foot, right? So it's mm -hmm. on whatever space uh, the the tip of that of their their hoof would be, essentially. Okay. So it would probably be about the same dimensions as a horseshoe because you'd literally install the horseshoe in the same space. Although I, that's actually a really good question because, like, if you're a noir and you're going out in outer space, does your space suit cover suit cover your hoof? I feel like it would have to. That would get like burned in like the atmospheric less place of space, you know. Uh, I think that it's absolutely something that would happen. Yeah, no, um, it, it would be covered. It wouldn't get burned, but it would dehydrate. Oh, no, your fingernails could dehydrate? Yeah, there's water in there. and it Oh, no. There, there's a toe in there. That's horrifying. Yeah, they'd cover. They'd cover. I, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this. Um, right, so uh, any other final comments before we transition to a little bit of the news? Because we do have some news, uh, and we don't want to make you a weird wait a week for news. Make sure when your players have complaints about immunities that your boss isn't immune to one of the principal things your players likes doing, because you don't want the final adventure of an AP to be one guy sitting in a corner knowing he can't use his favorite trick. No, that's his fault. <laughs> have multiple <laughs> tricks in Starfinder. Okay. I said favorite. You can have other immunities, but if there's an absolute favorite thing they like doing that nah. doesn't just end the encounter. Nah, <laughs> man, if you're fighting smart things and they see that you only spam Mind Blast and they, they take items that give them bonuses against Mind Blast, like, that's on you. Have have a repertoire. <laughs> like, that's your fault. Have a gun. It's Starfinder. They, nobody can be immune to every type of gun. It's impossible. <laughs> Even ghosts aren't. Slap a weapon fusion on it and you can shoot a ghost. Yeah, called weapon fusion is very good, by the way, first level. Yeah. You can literally slap called on your weapon. It'll, you can draw it as a swift action, and it's magical because it's got a fusion seal on it, which means it can do half damage to ghosts. Even if you don't invest in Ghost Killer, a called weapon is great. I mean, there's a, there's a status condition that makes you immune to all guns. It's called being dead. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I argue that, that I, I would argue that being dead is like you are so not immune to guns that it's just, there's nothing more at that point at that point it's the Simpsons meme no stop please they're already dead <laughs> all right so transitioning to some of our news uh there was a blog that went out yesterday on June 19th that was about mostly Pathfinder and Starfinder Infinite uh, it's worth talking about because We've never really talked about Starfinder Infinite on this show a whole lot, and it's largely because there isn't a whole lot of Starfinder in the Infinite program, unfortunately, right now. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, Starfinder and Pathfinder Infinite are like uh, the DM's Guild of Paizo content. It is a sanctioned way for people who do not work for Paizo to write things and have it published by Paizo. If you go to DriveThruRPG, to the Pathfinder and Starfinder Infinite pages, you're literally listed as being published by Paizo. It kind of makes you, it's almost like a second party deal sort of thing. And there are currently two products up for Starfinder that are worth talking about. Uh, the first one, Dustin, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the infinite guru. Uh, I think it's called the Danger Dossier, right? Yes. I, there yes. are links to all these in chat. Yeah. The Danger Dossier. Somebody basically sat down and said, you know what Starfinder needs? More Pathfinder first edition monsters updated to Starfinder. Andrew Boom. White. Andrew White, who actually works for Paizo. I think he's their, either the web developer or one of their tech developers I, I don't know his exact title please don't be mad at me andrew if you're hearing me but uh so it's it's cool it's kind of like having a paizo employee do the thing uh, except it's not someone who is more on the creative end but it's still awesome uh andrew has been in a bunch of different paizo products since i think he was just in was he in dark archive sound right uh dustin that's your job to remember those things <laughs> uh, i gonna... have uh well i can tell you that the monster there's over uh i believe 50 different stat blocks in that book of no I that's way too practical you want to know about monsters. <laughs> then i don't remember where i know he's in maybe it's in drift crisis maybe it's actually a starfinder book you know we're not going to go hunting through all of them i know he's in something recent and it's going to drive <laughs> me crazy 
Uh, Andrew, if you're listening, I'm sure you're screaming at the, the, the thing right now going, I'm in this book, and I'm sorry, I forgot. Um, but yeah, Danger Dossier is a really good pickup if you want some Pathfinder monsters uh, in your Starfinder setting. Uh, it's it, What is the price on that, Dustin? Uh, right now it's on sale for twelve seventy one. dollars uh, It's 70 pages long. Uh, That's a good deal. Yep. Includes Algothu, Black Puddings, Primal Dragons, Intellect of Hours, Raveners, Shoggoth, and more. Nice. Cool. I'd say that there's one thing that Starfinder could probably use more of. It is more some of those classic fantasy monsters. There's a lot of cool aliens in Starfinder, but like, you know, Starfinder is also a fantasy setting. So uh, I I really liked how the first uh, Alien Archive had void hags in it and, you know, dragons with shoulder mounted laser cannons. That stuff's cool. Give me more. Happy to see Andrew do it. And Uh, it was edited and developed by Owen Casey Stevens. Oh, well, we know that person. Everybody knows Owen here at the Starfinder land. So that's a definitely a good thing to have in your back pocket. I think Owen is in is part of the other product we're talking about, right? It's yes. the Starfinder Galactic Magic, the Beach chapter. Yes, he was the lead principal writer and developer and everything for that. I have a funny story about this book. This book happened. Owen wrote this because I messaged him and we were talking about like some of the new releases. And I was like, I we, we just did a review on Galactic Magic and there's not a single feat in there. How, what's my Technomancer supposed to do with his feats? Just take spell penetration over and over again? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I laugh because like there's really not a whole lot that has spell resistance in Starfinder. It's very uncommon. It's like high level outsiders only. And, you know, Owen was like, there's a gap in the content, you say. <laughs> and then next thing I know, this book comes out and I'm like, Owen Casey Stevens... <laughs> oh uh and to answer a question in chat from milo v3 uh you don't need a different account for starfinder infinite but you do have to log into your drive through and or pathfinder infinite account uh if you're on starfinderinfinite.com you can basically it, it'll, it'll prompt you for a login and you just use your drive through rpg login and it's the same thing it works in both places it just keeps you logged in and out separately for some reason but you don't have to make a new username or password you can keep all of your books on the one account but yeah so the the galactic magic feet chapter has a bunch of really cool feats in it um there's a, a, a good number of them are like updates to classic meta magic feats and then there's also some new mechanics uh, uh honestly it's a very interesting book uh, i enjoyed it I have it op- as an option my players can take because I want my spellcasters to feel like they have feats and they can do things. And yeah, so those are the two big Starfinder Infinite books that are out right now. Hopefully we'll see more in the future. Uh, we're getting Interstellar Species. Uh, Interstellar Species is coming out in October. Hopefully we see some stuff with that. And, you know, ultimately it's, uh, it's exciting. You know, you get to put your content out. You can uh, expand the universe in interesting ways. And one of the nice things about Starfinder is that if you want to put your content in, like, it's very easy to not accidentally brush up against official war. Like, if you want to make your planet where dwarves and elves get along or whatever, you can do that because there's a big galaxy of planets waiting to be explored. Just go ahead and do your thing. Nobody's going to care. It's not like uh, Pathfinder where all the, the, the all the land is pretty much claimed and accounted for. Uh, and then I'm told that by Dustin that I legally have to tell you that I had a book that came out that we never talked about and that Dustin keeps yelling at me to talk about because Dustin likes this book a lot. Uh, it's called Starfarer Species Reforged. Uh, spark notes because I don't want to push my own stuff too much on this show. But uh, imagine if somebody took the uh, races of Starfinder and made a species mechanic that were kind of like Ancestries in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, but uh, with fewer level gates, and that's essentially what it is. Uh, there's, I gosh, I want to say there's 61 species that you can play in it, and there's a whole bunch of different like uh, heritages. Like if you want to slap an Asmar on your Cobalt, or you want to play a giant stuffed Vesk, you can do it. And yes, <laughs> like literally a plushie. Go ahead, it's fine. Yeah. I'm good. 45 species, 30 universal heritages, and 347 pages. There's definitely more than 45 species because there's at least 30 in both chapters. Oh, I, okay. I edited all of those. <laughs> I know. There's 61. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I believe you. And, uh, there's I, 45 universal heritages. And I'm a huge fan of this book. Uh, you get species talents, which you could take using feats. And pretty much all of my characters' feats are not just species talents because there's so many fun and interesting and, and creative 
species talents in this book. Um, the only feats I have that aren't species talents are like weapon focus. <laughs> I, I saw that eye roll. <laughs> I saw that eye roll. <laughs> yeah, I think that Starfinder, one of the places it has a place it could use more expansion is that it really could use more feats. A lot of the feats are kind of, eh. and we don't really get a lot of expansion on those very frequently. So definitely uh it's been a very popular option with my players where they're like wait i can just spend my feet to get a talent and then that talent will give me this thing that i want oh yeah sure it's fine like oh i'm gonna do that okay cool take as many as you want and then dustin's like wait every talent i get gives me a tail yeah that's fine oh i want nine of those then okay that's fine uh, Dustin is putting it up on screen for all those people who are listening. Uh, it is a bunch of people in a bar, and the, the bartender is a noir. It's a noir bar. It's a noir bar. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to shout out to, James? Oh, no. That's cool. Um, all right. Well, we are coming up on time. So thank you so much for joining us on No Direction Beyond. If you like the podcast, we recommend that you hang out with us on No Direction Podcast. Is it NoDirectionPodcast.com is our website now? Correct. Yeah. Where we have all of our like blog content, all of our news articles. We have lots of stuff. If you're a Pathfinder 2nd Edition fan, we have lots of articles that go there as well as tons of player and GM talents that are rather system agnostic. Uh, Dustin, as mentioned, writes uh, a Fox's Cunning blog where he gives lots of cool, helpful tip, tr uh, tricks and hints. Uh, I'm starting up Hero Forge Fridays, uh, which has been on the actual like Facebook and social media platforms for a while, but now like I have stat blocks and stuff that go with it, which are pretty cool. And uh, we also have all copies of all of our podcasts. So if you ever need to know where to listen to our podcast, you can go there. But I imagine if you're listening to this, you probably already know and are like, Alex, why are you talking about this? I'm like, all right, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> and uh, the other option, of course, is that if you want to hang out with us, we are all on Discord. We have a special No Direction Discord. The link is on the website that I just mentioned. And you can hang out with the chillest, coolest, friendliest, most down-to-earth uh, group of Pathfinder and Starfinder fans in a single umbrella. Uh, our place is awesome. Uh, you can literally message any of us or any of your other hosts or podcast people whenever you want. And we usually answer and it's great. We have a great old time. And then sometimes we just randomly comment on the things people say and people are all like, ah, oh no, that's Dustin Knight. Why is he telling me things? Oh, oh, my ideas got told that they were bad. It's great. I'm so happy. <laughs> um, if you now, if you want to give us a little bit of a, you know, an, an extra little push, like I mentioned earlier, we have a Patreon and uh, patrons uh, get uh, access to our special discord channel where we put out like notifications and we do like hangouts after shows and then sometimes we give content like uh james is super cool stat block and other things so we're looking at ways and we also want to hear what we can do to help you guys and make your experience with starfinder and pathfinder even better did i forget anything uh i don't think so that's all good yeah cool well if you've got all the content that you need from us uh there's nothing else to do but go beyond with no direction. <laughs>